How many times in our lives do we take to think about heaven? I know the world is full of troubles, and we spend a great deal of time in our lives thinking about them. But have we thought about heaven? It is quite a hope. And from time to time, it is good to be reminded of what awaits us. Certainly, we are uncertain of the future, and we have great fears of the unknown. But I'd like to thank Sister Charlie for letting us know if God is with us, we have nothing to fear. As the troubles are there, we saw the pencils, and the water bag represented us, and we know if the pencils go through, this is the end. But God's protected shield allow us to go through trials and tribulations worry-free. If you notice, God did not eliminate the problem because the pencil did go through the bag. It is how we interpret the problems, how we face them, is different. Knowing the God whom we serve should give us a different perspective on how we, Christians, face trials and tribulations. And I hope you appreciate the story and the song, how they blend together to give us comfort in the God whom we serve. We ought to be an example to the world outside that they take time to ask, who are these people? I need to know more about their gods. But if we walk this earth like them, why would they want to know the joy of knowing our Savior? The way we live our lives should reflect the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who loves us so much and dies so we may fellowship with Him. A God like this should give us the strength to fear absolutely nothing. Brother Charles talks about the song he remembered about what are these promises? What are they? Is that the reason why our faces are so soured this morning? We are in the house of God and we are mourning. We should be rejoicing we're coming before the creator of the universe and our faces are filled with sadness. We allowing the weight of the world to crush our shoulders. Do we remember the promises of God? We ought to remember that the promises he has for us is not for us to live in a palatial houses on this earth. It is for us to have everything we desire on this earth. But he promises us that one day we will be with him and our problems will disappear and all the promises he had mentioned he would grant us will come to pass. Please be mindful of the God whom we serve and walk through this life boldly. He doesn't say you won't have problems. He actually tells us we will face problems, but he did promises us 
that he will be with us through the end and throughout eternity. Let be strengthened by the God whom we serve. And we, from time to time, forgot, forget who he is. Let's go back to the Bible and remind ourselves of the one who created the universe. Before we start, let us pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this glorious day you've given us once again to come before you and acknowledge your greatness. Every moment of our lives and every breath we take should be reflecting your glory, and everything we do should be reflecting our loves for you. But we fall short of that all the time. Continue to be with patience with us as we try and try and keep falling short. May your spirit be with us so we may understand who you are and have the peace in our heart that you so want for us. Please be with me as I share your word with your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is well. Many of us are familiar with the story of Elisha and the Shunammite woman. It is found in 2 King chapter 4, verses 8 through 37. And this afternoon, if you have time, I would suggest not only read chapter 4, but go to chapter 8 to see the end of her story. She is a fascinated woman. It is an interesting story on how her life goes up and down and how she faces these difficulties. It is well. That is the attitude that we ought to have in our lives. That is the way we need to face challenges and difficulties in our lives. When somebody asks us, how was your week? The answer we should be giving is, it is well. That should be how we live. I love the Shunammite woman. There's a lot of things we could learn from her. For some of you that may not be familiar with the story, I'll take time to briefly go over it. Elisha periodically goes through a city called Shunem on his way to Mount Carmel to pray and spend time with God. He did that so often that a woman that they told us she was well-to-do noticed the prophet going back and forth to Mount Carmel, and one day invited him to dinner. As he ate, she considered making him a place that when he traveled, he could rest there. She approached her husband and says, would it be possible for us to build a place for the prophet so as he passes, he may rest as needed, the husband agreed, and they build him a place. Every time they go through this area, they stop by this lady's house, they fellowship with her, and they rest a little on their way to spend time with God. With time, Elisha was overwhelmed by this lady's hospitality. That 
he asked the woman, is there anything that I could do for you for your kindness? Her response was, I like nothing. Gehazi was there, told Elisha, that may not be so. She has no child. It is very interesting. For the woman, she's satisfied with her life. Nothing is wrong. She is content with her life. But an observer, someone from the outside, sees the problems, but she does not. The prophet approached her and asked her, and tell her that you're going to have a child within a year. Knowing that her husband was old and she herself may have been advanced in age, she told the prophet, don't make any promises that you can't keep. I won't hold you to what you just said, but within a year, she did bore her son. He grew up and one day went in the field with his father, became ill and had a headache. And his father says, take him to his mother. When he got home, she did everything she could to help him come back to health. But unfortunately, she died in her lap. She took her child placed him on the prophet's bed, locked the door, and went to her husband and request a servant and a donkey to go see the man of God. The husband, knowing there was no special occasions, wanted to know perhaps he has missed something on the calendar, ask her, was there a special holiday for you to make that trip? She simply responded, it is well. She approached the servant that was with the donkey and says, listen, I need you to ride as fast as you could with me to Mount Carmel. Stop for nothing. Do not allow yourself to be distracted by anything. How often our troubles in life distract our focus from God's promises. And they went there, and when they got there, Elisha told his servant, go ask her if everything is well. Gehazi says, is all well with you? It is well. Is all well with your husband? It is well, if all well with your son, it is well. And she proceeded to Elisha. When she got there, she explained to Elisha the situation and requested that he comes with her. But Elisha wanted to send Gehazi instead. And she was relentless in her decision that 
Elisha be the one that comes with her. It is very interesting that both men spent a great deal of time with the lady at her house. And both men were godly men. Gehazi was a godly man working with prophet Elisha. And who knows, one day he could have become prophet himself. But perhaps, while spending time with this lady, she may have seen something that later on we know what has become of Gehazi. She did not want a substitute. She wanted the man of God to do what needed to be done, and she insisted on Elisha to come with her. And when Elisha got there, he prayed, and her son came to life by the power of God. There are a lot of things that we can learn from this story, but I'm only going to point out two very briefly. One, she trusted God in all aspects of her life. In all aspects of her life, she trusted God. Because of that, she was content with everything in her life. The house she had, she was satisfied with it. She had no desire to have a bigger one. She had no desire to have things she didn't have. What she had, she was pleased with it. How many of us, if somebody gave us a blank check right now and asked us, is there anything I can do for you, would simply respond, I'm satisfied with what God has given me. I don't know about you, but I have a shopping list and my printer would win out of ink as I keep, it keep printing the demand I would be giving Elisha right now of what I need to make my life comfortable. But for her, she had the one thing that made her life comfortable, and that was her God, and she was satisfied with that. Are we satisfied simply to have God as the main thing in our lives? Are we always looking outward for things to satisfy our desires? Is our sorrows or the way we feel because we think our happiness will come from external things rather than the peace God wants for us? A peace, the only way we can find it is by clinging to the Savior. She was not trying to do what is very common and prevalent in our world today. Seeing flaws in her husband and for some wives and checking out and annotating everything that is wrong with them and trying to look at others and try to meet the demand in someone else. I once heard an 80-20 principle. We applied in business and in many things. We can apply this here as well. None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. But I'm trying, but I'm not perfect. I'd like to stay and say I'm a perfect husband and father, but I'm not. But the 80% I give my wife should be satisfied enough 
that she doesn't have the desire to live and go elsewhere looking for the 20% that I don't have. Because if she goes there, guess what happened? They only can give 80%. And you'll want to leave that person as well to look for that 20% they don't have, and it goes on and on and on. She was satisfied with her husband and appreciate him the way God gave them. She didn't request the prophet to give her a new husband. Now, she had no child, and the scripture tells us that her husband was old, and in those days, you needed sons to help care for you in your old age. A widow was not like we have today where the state helps you. If you didn't have a son, it could be problematic. She could have asked for a son. That was a problem. Even with that apparent problem, she was satisfied with the way she was. And in our lives, we ought to be satisfied with the life God gave us and in all aspects of it. In a moment of grief, she remained focused on the capability of God and trust God in everything in her life. The second thing I want to point out is this. She remained faithful in the promises that was made to her, and she maintained a steadfast spirit. It is interesting that when her son died, she did not rush to her husband to explain what had happened and take comfort in her husband. She did not go from one neighbor's house to another neighbor to complain about God's indifference in her life. But she knew that God has promised her a child to care for her and that was going to be so. She may not understand what immediately just happened, but she needed to seek God for that. So she sought after the man of God. How many of us cling on to the promises God makes us that we'll never be alone? How many of us cling to the promise that nothing can happen to us if he doesn't wills it? So why do we worry all the time? We say we trust God, but we lie to ourselves constantly with a smile on our faces. We trust God. We believe in God's power. How powerful this statement comes out when we are visiting someone who is in trouble. When someone loses their job, we can open the Bible and run through the passages to strengthen them. If we lose our job, do we seek God in the passages as well? When someone gets news of a terminal illness, we pray and comfort them and let them know that 
God is with them. His will will be done. When doctor tells us of a terminal illness, do we do the same thing for ourselves? Or is God's promise is only for someone else and doesn't apply in our lives? We need to do like the Shunammite woman, to hold on to the promises God makes for us. So when we're facing challenges, we can face them boldly. The scripture doesn't tell us how this woman comes to be so faithful and so trusting of God. It doesn't tell us, but we do know that the prophet fellowship with her very often. Perhaps during his fellowship with her, he tells her how God's promise seemed impossible when he promised a woman whose menses had stopped for a long, long time, she was going to have a child. But we do know Sarah had Isaac. Perhaps he shared with her how impossible God's promise was that his people would be going through an ocean safely. Before the Red Sea, it looked impossible, but we didn't know. God split the ocean and created a transmaritime highway, and they walked through it safely. Perhaps he shared with her about God's promise to give his people a promised land. And how impossible that seemed when they saw the walls of Jericho. How intimidating it was when they saw how big their enemies was. But we know the walls of Jericho came down. We know more stories now than he probably shared with this woman. We know even in the grave, when all seems impossible and all seems lost and hope has flitted away and hearts filled with despair, Lazarus walked out from the grave. Do we understand the power of the God whom we serve? Do we trust in his promises? Or do we believe that his promises are archaic? They're old, they're only in the Bible. They no longer apply in our lives. There are countless people today that are dying for our Lord. There are countless people today that have problems that are far worse than what we are facing today, but they trust God with all aspects of their lives. In 1873, some of you may have heard this story, a Presbyterian elder, a very prosperous Chicago lawyer by the name of Horatio Spafford, 
had planned to spend some extended time in Europe with his family. And at the last moment, due to business obligations, he sent his family forward and remained in Chicago. On November 21st, 1873, the SS Ville du Havre was struck by the British vessel Lacerne and sunk to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Rescuers find his wife, Anna, passed out holding on a spar. When he got the news, he left Chicago to meet his wife. And on the way there, he wrote to his sister-in-law these very words. On Thursday last, we pass over the spot where she went down. In mid-ocean, the water's three mile deep. But I do not think our dear ones there they are safe, folded the dear lambs. Much later, he expressed the moment when he lost four daughters, Annie, Bessie, Maggie, and Tanita. by writing these very words. When rivers when peace like a river attendeth my way when rivers like sea bellows row Whatever my lot, whether it's health, finance, relationship, fill in the blank. It's all inclusive, all encompassing. Whatever my lot, God has taught him to say, it is well, it is well with his soul. When we're singing this song today, imagine a father losing four of his daughters and trusting God, even if he, was, he did not spare their lives. As Christians, we do not know what God wills is for us. Perhaps we ought to be like Stephen and be stoned to death. Perhaps his desire for us is to be like the Hebrew boys and walk out of the fiery furnace unsinged. Perhaps his desire for us is to be dead for his sake or to remain alive. Perhaps he wants us to walk out of the lion's den. We don't know. But regardless of the outcome, we ought to trust God 
we ought to trust him and remain steadfast and be faithful in his promises, knowing that he has our best interests at heart. God is not good only, only when things are going well, but also when things are not going so well. He tells us we'll face trials and tribulations, but he equipped us to face them courageously. So as Christians, it is time for us to embrace this promise and show the world the love of our God and show love our trust in his power that there is a day coming when he will wipe our tears. There is a day coming if we are missing an arm, we'll have it. If we can speak, we'll speak. If we can see, we'll seek. This body will be transformed into a glorious body. There is a time coming when his promises will be fulfilled and we'll spend eternity fellowshipping with the one who created the universe. If you're reading what science achieved today, it is amazing the bioengineering, the AI, how they can make fine movements with this machine creation. And it takes them years and years just to do this. How long do you think your God took for us to do this? You know, we have amazing computers today that can do things I can do. But we are still marvel at the computation of the brain God has made. And yet, we are fear of the things in the world because we don't understand our God. I hope we take time to know him, to know who he is, to understand his power, what he can do, and to understand and appreciate the love he has for us. And if your life is the way it is, and we are suffering because I don't know what your lot is, I don't know your circumstances, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know the intensity of the heat that you find yourself in this moment. What I'm telling you is this. To hold on his promises. Hold on to his love for you. And regardless of what you're facing today, if anyone asks you, how are you doing? Your response should be, it is well. May God peace be with you. Have a happy Sabbath. Thank you. But may we deeply believe that with you, with us, abide in us, all will be well. May this day forward we live a life 
that is committed to you and give it to you. May we trust you with our lives, no matter where it may lead. May we be satisfied with it, trusting you and say to the world, irrespective of our circumstances, it is well. Bless your people, strengthen them, and may your spirit dwell within them as they face the challenges of sin. And may your spirit continually remind them of the day when your promises will come true. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.